Hey friends and happy holiday season. Um, Olivia is off gallivanting in Mexico as we speak and so we weren't able to record an episode for this week or next. And instead we thought why not share with you something from a little bit of a different archive, my old podcast, instead of a rerun. So if you've been following along in my journey, my last six to seven numbers have all happened around the time when I was having my quarter-life crisis in the form of a podcast called The Millennial Search for Meaning, LOL. The episode I'm sharing today is about something you might be interested in because you listen to this podcast, Millennial Perspectives on Love. I hadn't listened to the podcast in years until yesterday, and it's really funny now, about seven years later, hearing this like younger version of myself but also of our generation because I have clips in there from other people who were kind of also exploring the concept of love, which is most of us. So yeah, I definitely had to laugh at my cunty side being caught on tape while I was on a quote-unquote date with a friend of mine. Trust me, there was more to that story. And I also at my completely annoying interjections while I quote-unquote interviewed a complete stranger on a Tinder date. But other than that, it is very heartfelt, it's very earnest, it's a little bit creative, and it's also kind of thought-provoking. So I really do hope you guys enjoy um, my amateur podcast project um, and having a little bit more context to some of the stories that we've been telling recently. Oh, there is one thing good about Spotify. I'll tell you that when you get back. I'm glad I did this today. like coming home to your family on Christmas like Day. Sitting, I don't know, sitting in like an airport during a really, really long layover, but like looking up at this person and like not helping but smile and like feel like happy. When you see that person, you're just you feel so safe and happy. But then when you, you know, are experiencing the act of falling for someone, it really is like falling, which is kind of scary. There are moments of terror, there are moments of thrill, of newness of excitement, of doubt. Hey, it's Mariah, and this is the Millennial Search for Meaning. As usual, this podcast contains adult themes and language. 
When I decided to do an episode about millennial love and dating, I was like, well, no lack of material here. But the past few weeks, I've been mulling over all the audio and interviews and awkward dates that I recorded with permission and started to realize that distilling this theme into a compelling narrative episode would be almost as complicated as my actual love life. Growing up, we're taught to take a direct, goal-oriented approach to most things in life. Music lessons, tests in school, sports, college applications, job searches, buying houses, etc., etc., But when it comes to finding love, we're told that it's like this miracle that just one day happens to us when we're at the grocery store, walking down the street, or engaging in some otherwise unlikely and mundane activity, usually in a klutzy fashion. It happens when you least expect it, I'm frequently told. Or, my personal favorite, when you know, you know. The lack of straightforwardness when it comes to conversations about love make it pretty hard to frame this episode. So, I thought to myself, why not take a more scientific approach? Identify the status quo, identify the goal, and determine how to get there. Chapter one, the status quo. With Pandora, it's about, this is the bands that I like, let's hear bands that are like them. With Spotify, it's- Spotify has the the options. Spotify has the option. You can listen to radio from each artist, and it also creates a playlist for you that, that shows you new music. So I listen to new music through Spotify. I'm not just like, oh, I like these guys. I'm like, I like these guys. What else is like there, out there that's like these guys? I do Spotify for, I mean, like, Spotify was around after Pandora. And, like, I just Googled. I wanted to listen to radio one day on the Internet. I'm like, Internet radio. And then Pandora was the first thing that came up. And that was, like, in 2006. And then, like, Incubus back in Modest Mouse were, like, the first three bands on there. And then, like, through that, I'm just like, ooh, I like this band. Make a station out of that. And then that's just grown from yeah, there. Yeah, I can see if it's, like, all the your favorite stations are already sort of, like... I'd say I'm a pretty average millennial. 25, no kids. I have a bachelor's degree, but I'm still thinking about applying to grad school. I'm focused on building a career, but I don't own a house. I've moved around a fair amount and don't really know where I'll be a few months from now. I'm about as single and unattached as it gets. Honestly, I like dating, for the most part. You get to be open to anything, meet new people, try new things, and have poignant conversations, like this one. Like, I thumbs down so many shit, and I thumbs up and bookmarked and made so many stations and, like, made so many seeds. No, but I'm, it, I'm it, not it's Spotify, it. for that, it's, it's like, oh, I have never heard of them. Let's, like, hear what they have on Spotify. Like, because like, you can no, play them song them and specifically... That's cool. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care, honestly. I... I mean, it's a, so no, no, right it now. sounds like you're doing what's working for you, and that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I go into this heated debate, and I'm just like, I give zero points. <laughs> so passionate. I'll be the first to admit that I'm not the sweetest, most accommodating date ever. And while there are many factors that go into dating, like personality, timing, chemistry, etc., etc., I think my laissez-faire attitude has a lot to do with the fact that I'm focused on making my own dreams happen at this phase in my life. In a society where individualism is highly valued, my hypothesis is that we're a generation that places an even higher premium on individualism and on our own success. We want it all, and we don't want to compromise. To get the real read on millennial dating, though, I decided to call in an expert 
someone much more seasoned than myself, my best friend, Morgan Anderson. Morgan is 27, and aside from being six months away from finishing her doctoral degree in psychology, she's one person I know who has always been up to speed on the latest dating trends. Like calling someone your significant other, like people are scared of that in our generation. Because I think it's because it shuts out other opportunities and people are always looking for the next opportunity because there's so many. I think think you're right and I think, well, I mean, I think we could get really far into this. First of all, I want to kind of set the scene a little bit though. Okay, okay. Um, So you, I wanted to talk to you for a couple of different reasons. First reason is you are, you've dated a lot of people. Why do you think that is? I think that I've been a romantic probably ever since I was a little girl and always had this idea that there's the right person out there and that I just need to meet them. So I think I've had this standard of wanting to have a soulmate. Um, And then I also think that there have been times that I could have settled, um, but... I, I wanted something more, um, or I was putting my career first, or I was doing something else. Um, so I think I've just ended up dating a lot of people because I've been having other priorities and trying to balance it. I don't know. There's this whole thing that happens with millennials, I think, where you're like, oh, I'm not looking for anything. You're like, you just have sex with someone, and then you're like, FYI, I'm not looking for a relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, would you consider yourself looking for a relationship right now? <clears throat> or are you happy with just dating? You know, that's interesting that you say that because <laughs> I do feel like that's out there. It's sort of this idea that if you say you're not looking for anything, then something will happen. And, like, it's not, <laughs> it's not cool. It's not cool to say you are looking for something. Because because if you say you are, then it, like, turns the other person off. So it's like we're kind of conditioned to use, like, reverse psychology on people, right? And just say, like, I'm not looking for anything. But if you want me bad enough, you'll make something happen. So I... I feel like I do say that now when I, when I go on dates and stuff. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not looking for anything. <laughs> I I do say that. What effect do you think that has on, like, dating culture for people in their 20s right now? I think it makes it confusing as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Word up, sister. (laughs) It's really awkward. (laughs) Things awkward, right? I think it makes... um, It just makes the whole dating culture feel like a whole bunch of games. Because when people are not communicating what they really want, how in the hell are you supposed to know? <laughs> um, can you talk about any member- memorable Tinder experiences that you've had? Oh, Lord. <laughs> how long have you been on Tinder? <laughs> um, well, just talk about Tinder in general. Like, okay. What is Tinder to you? <laughs> you know... When I first got on Tinder, I was really excited about it because I actually took it seriously and I thought, um, wow, this would be a great way to meet like a boyfriend, you know, like somebody long term. Um, so I got right on it and I was, you know, swipe, 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 swipe. Um, and 
I was taking my time, like responding to people. I would like write little novels in our text conversations, and I'm like genuinely getting to know these people, and you know. Um, and then as time went on, um, I think I really sort of realized <laughs> uh, that Tinder was more about sort of hooking up, right? Um, SEX. Yes, it's it's all about the sex. Um, definitely had my share of horrible pickup lines um, of sexual comments right away. It's not. Well, I want to know what you think that the whole Tinder scene says about dating today. Because, I mean, in some ways you're seeing, like, the worst of the worst, but in other ways, like, you are seeing, mm-hmm. like, it is an enigma, you know? So it's like, well, what, what's that about? Tinder is, like, absolutely no effort going in to dating, I feel like. Like, you don't even have to get up off your couch. Like, you're literally sitting there, and you're swiping left or swiping right. Like, there's no like there's no effort that went into meeting these people. It just it makes it so easy. And it's so, so available. Um, so I think it says something about dating as more of a pastime or like dating as a hobby or dating for fun in in place of dating being something serious that has um a goal in mind right i think that it's hard when there are real feelings involved and if you just kind of pretend like there aren't any feelings and it's so much easier to like be yourself because everyone's afraid to be vulnerable yes everyone's been hurt you know because i think well to go on a, a brief little tangent I think like one thing about our generation is we've been having sex since we were in our mid-teens you know yes yes so from a psychological standpoint what do you think I mean obviously at that point you're gonna have experienced intimacy with at least one person probably mm-hmm. more than one person it, it can create problems with intimacy because our relational patterns are oftentimes determined by early experiences. So when you have those earlier experiences, I think it can shape, you know, your current experiences. Um, and then additionally, I just, I think that it creates a sort of illusion of endless options, right? Um, Because the more people you've been intimate with or the more people you have sex with, you get this idea that it's just sort of available. And then how does that change, you know, how how does that affect your dating behavior? I think that's part of the problem with dating is that now we have all these choices about who we want to be and what we want to do. And we're sort of forced to make those decisions while making decisions about our partners and it's hard for us to make the decision about a partner when we don't really know who we are yet so I think that's why we're seeing people not settling down in their 20s because we're working on who we are you know yeah well into your 20s as opposed to just early 20s or whatever yeah and, and we have all these options now. It's not like in the old days where you would just marry the person in your village, you know, or like the the person down the road, or the woman didn't get a choice and the man sort of just picked who he wanted to be with and she stayed at home with the kids, and you know? Like, it's not, it's not that way. It's not that way anymore. Thank God. 
Yes. But also, it's also a little heart-wrenching sometimes. It yes. is. Like, thank God, but, like, it's also, like, I don't know. With all the options and choice, there adds this layer of anxiety, right? And yeah. ambivalence. Do you feel like, I mean, say that you had met somebody that you wanted to be with, or, like, mm-hmm. someone that had, it had worked out with more when you were younger. Because, like, right now you're 27. 26. Right. 27. You just, turned, you just turned 27. Yep, 27. Um, so, like, say that you had been with someone for, like, the last five years. How do you think, like, how do you think those relationships compare to, like, the relation, or, like, your development compares with someone who has had that experience? Like, in, in your I, status quo. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about this, actually. Uh, so, I think because I haven't had a serious relationship for the past five years, you know, I've been in graduate school, and I've developed on my own. I've had to develop as an independent human, um, and I haven't made choices or compromises around the needs or wants of someone else, and... I've literally done what I've wanted to do, like all the time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and that has been awesome, right? It's been wonderful in a lot of ways. And then in other ways, I think I probably lack some of that stability or feeling of a root, you know, somewhere. support of someone in that unconditional love is um, really amazing. I feel like I am more successful in my career and more successful in my hobbies with the support of my husband. Um, And I imagine that he might say something similar. We do our best to support each other. And although we could do a lot of these things on our own, um, having a secure person to support you and cheer you on is amazing. Chapter 2. The Goal My parents, 50-somethings on the young side of the baby boomer generation, met at a friend's wedding in their early 20s. After a few weeks of phone calls between their respective landlines, they eventually got together for a first date. A year later, they were engaged. Right now, I'm three years older than they were when they first met. But even if I did meet the right person, I'm still a long way from marriage. Times have changed, and my career and personal growth are priorities right now. I've learned from personal experience that it's hard to be in a relationship unless you're satisfied with your own life, even without that person in it. As I grow older, I do see stability on the horizon. I'm not quite there yet, but eventually I'd like to own some property, settle in a city for at least a few years, and maybe even buy some furniture. Of course, I do want a life partner. But there's a part of me that is just unsure about what the parameters of this would be. 
My parents were able to follow a traditional blueprint. I'm just not so sure what my blueprint would look like. On my way through Portland, I decided to do a little Tinder research for the podcast, which led me to a tavern in southeast Portland and to subject number two. So, do you tend frequently? Yeah, it's, I have a weird relationship with online dating stuff. It's one of these things like, I just want to delete this stuff, but now I'm bored, and so I'm on here again, but, yeah. You, I'm so sorry, I just was checking okay. the messages. What were you saying? Uh, it's one of the, like, I don't know, I don't like online dating a lot. Like, I don't love, and I wish I had peace in my free time. Yeah. Okay. yeah. What do you see that? <laughs> Networking. Networking? Nice. I don't know, actually. Maybe that's not true. I guess it's just, like, it, I feel like it's so... I feel like online dating is more like e-harmony, whereas this is just, like, so vapid and shallow and, like, whatever, that it See, that I think almost doesn't quite feel... I feel the other way around. Okay. Because I feel like okay, Cupid and stuff can feel like a resume. Like, it feels so formal. Whereas, yeah. if you're going to, like, hit on somebody at a bar and be like, hi, good to meet you, like, let's go on a date sometime, mm-hmm. it's just based on initially, just on physical attraction, and then you go from there. Well, and I think that's a good, honestly, I think that's a good way to gauge it, because I have, I have to say, my experience with Tinder has been mostly the people I think are really interesting mm-hmm. are, like, people I don't have that much of a spark with. Right. And then the people I think are really like fucking annoying or lame or boring or whatever <laughs> like people that I would probably meet in a bar and be like oh hi you know oh uh, yeah I mean maybe it's like maybe it's not quite that polarized but like Right. Well, maybe not meet in a bar, but say we had no online dating options. The way you meet people in the real world is often, like, either through mutual friends or, Or maybe you see them, this is the best case scenario, you see them out in public or whatever, and you're like, oh my god. Right. Right? So that's one of the reasons I like things like Tinder, it's because, but, and, because OkCupid from, also from a, in, I don't know, sites like that, from a male perspective, too, is... I don't know. I feel like I'm sending messages with like a bunch of other guys that are all sending messages, um, and yes. then it's also just like basically just bugging the shit out of somebody. It's definitely weird, but you know, it's the one thing I do like about it is you meet people totally outside of your social circles that you'd otherwise not meet. I I, I like that. Ex- I think but. a lot of people that I've that I've matched with on Tinder have ended up being friends. Yeah, and I actually appreciate that. Like yeah. I've like learned a lot about people. So, do you believe in love? Yeah, more than anything. Really? Yeah. It's like the one thing I do believe... Oh, totally. It's like the one thing I do believe in, but it also makes it the highest pressure thing yeah. <laughs> in my life ever. So. Well, what do you believe in about love? Like, what, it, what if you had to define love or explain to someone who has never experienced it before? Um... Wow, that's like a question for the ages, Jesus. Uh, let me think. So, okay, what are the things that I can say definitively about love? I think, first of all, as being the romantic I am, it's at some point it comes down to a choice. But sometimes it's also not a choice at all either. Like it yeah, exists sometimes within, you like, like know, between you're like, those this is two bad things. For me, but then you do it anyway. Well, and it's it's just because two people. Just because two people love each other doesn't mean they're good for each other. And just because two people are good for each other doesn't mean they love each other. So, and then I also I think we put too much pressure on it as a society, like romantic love or not. Like, 
saying I love you in a relationship is such like a big step <laughs> these days you know like there's all this pressure on it and I wish I could say I love you to everybody in my life yeah all the time I do and even like in a, but when you're in a relationship it takes on that much more weight yeah like I wish that I could just start dating somebody and be like I love you that doesn't mean like I'm gonna that doesn't mean there's all these strings attached to yeah. it I just want to express that because it makes yeah. me feel good and I hope it makes you feel good have you ever, like, woken up the next day after, like, waking up with someone and been like, just so you know, I'm not looking for a relationship? Uh, I mean, not the next day. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever, like, said that to somebody, though? Like, use that as, like, a no, excuse? No, because... Oh, as, like, an excuse? I don't know. No, no, no. I'm just curious if you ever said that. Just, we'll leave it at that. I don't yeah. think I've ever said I'm not looking... Because it would just be an outright lie. Like, ultimately, I am looking for a relationship. What that doesn't mean that for? this is it. Um, I mean, I'm looking for, like, a partner in crime, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like logistically? If you had to like describe it, like say I don't know the crime. term partner. Well, one of us is the driver; the other one robs <laughs> the bank. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Okay. Sounds like a very close relationship. No, I, I don't know. I, I'm trying. I don't know what that looks like, and I think that's the weird thing. The thing is, on some days, I want to marry my best friend. On other days, I want to date the hot guy at the bar. Still others, I don't have time for myself, much less someone else. Asking what you really want should be common practice when it comes to career, time expenditure, lifestyle choices, and most other things. But when it comes to love, it's hard and maybe even dangerous to envision what we want. We grew up believing that love is this magical thing, and it probably is. But maybe the reason we're all being so cautious is because we've been there, in the throes of puppy love. And now we can't stop wondering if love is magical, because love is really, truly magical. Or if love is magical because we let ourselves believe in the magic. And if it's because we let ourselves believe, how can we learn and grow and be smarter about this belief the second time or third time or fourth time around? How can we cheat the system, avoiding heartbreak and boredom and sacrifice? My personal ideal relationship would be traditional, but open to conversation. I have never been poly, but I have many friends who are, and I truly believe that you don't necessarily have one soulmate. Um, you know, for me, in my current moment, it's um, finding somebody that's that's patient and understanding of you know what I'm trying to build and achieve and the goals that are set in my life and. They need to understand that um, those things are, they come first. You know, my, you know, work and love, uh, you know, my hobbies are my passion. Those are my love. Um, But that is not to say that, um, you know, there's not room for other people, um, you know, or another person. 
is hard to explain because I've, I haven't been successful in a relationship before. Um, I had a kid in a relationship. Um, I've been married in a different relationship. Um, I've been fully committed and just left in another relationship. They left me and now I'm in a relationship where I'm 25 and I've fallen madly in love with this successful man and and he doesn't feel that same way for me. And so I guess an ideal relationship for me, the only word that comes to mind is communication. Like that is the only, only word that comes to mind in a, in a ideal relationship. Uh, I currently live in New York City and my career is everything. It's everything to everybody out here but I have this internal clock that just is dying for a baby. Like I, I see kids all the time. I watch my friends' kids whenever I possibly can. And the thought of being a mother just makes me so emotional. And it's something I yearn for all the time. And I, at this point, like, I don't, I don't know when that will come and I hope it'll come eventually, but I'm not gonna be some whimsical woman who throws myself at men's feet just to receive that child. Chapter three, getting there. I had this idea that I would meet the perfect person and my life would come together in a perfect way and you know we would you know have this amazing dream life together and <laughs> can you like tell me what that would, <laughs> dream life would be like oh you know we'd be like <laughs> happy always and like he would cook me breakfast in bed and we would go on fancy vacations together, and we'd both be very rich, obviously. <laughs> um, and, and you know, he would love me, like even when I would like had my, you know, period or I was a mess, he would just tell me I'm beautiful and you know things like that. Um, oh, and he'd get along with my family perfectly, and you know. He'd be over six foot, you know, all, <laughs> all of these things come together to form this idea. Um, but so, yeah, I think now I realize that instead of putting so much emphasis on finding that one person um, that I've more worked on creating my life the way that I want it, you know, and like focused on myself and... Uh, sort of lowered my expectations in terms of what I'm looking for because I see that another person is not the key to that dream life right right you, you're more you're complimenting each other yeah I want to posit you one last question in this sort of frame of mind and then the next time we talk we can maybe talk a little bit more casually about that perfect um but yeah so this question would be around just like what advice do you have for somebody who is dating 
I would say, yeah, I mean, dating as a millennial, hang in there, you know, get a, get a good support system of some good friends. Hello. <laughs> You're going to need it. <laughs> um, and then... That is, a, that is some <laughs> clinical advice, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, just be real. Um, you know, I think, like, don't settle. Uh... If you have expectations coming from other people or from society, just ignore it. Listen to what you want, you know? Um, and ask yourself what you want and then know what you want. Um, and don't settle for anything less. I promised you science, but I honestly can't deliver. Painting with broad strokes, we now have at least a general idea of the current mid-twenties dating scene. We're casual, less enthusiastic about lifelong commitment, and more protective of our personal space. But at some point, even we, members of the so-called selfish generation, want to find love. We just don't know what it would look like, or when exactly that will be. Real relationships, like a real shared experience, a real shared love, it comes up at inconvenient times if you look at it that way. I choose to look at it as a pleasant surprise whenever it pops up. Um, and I think that you're limiting yourself from the, like, the full breadth of the human experience by occupying yourself with whether or not this is the right time. Just fucking jump in and see what the hell happens. You know, there's no... There's no guide for this sort of thing, so why try to impose one? Love isn't science or strategy or some weird religion. It's not something that you can plan. And maybe that's what makes it superlative. It's untamable, surprising, a reminder that there's only so much you can control. Maybe it's not about love with a capital L, but instead it's about the fall. We have to choose it over and over again. We have to choose authenticity, we have to choose being true to ourselves and being true to what we really want, and we have to choose to be honest with ourselves and be vulnerable enough to actually explore yeah. to actually explore and ask ourselves like why do I why do I have this initial reaction why do I feel this way why am I in this position why am I why, am why I do I want continuing these things to do this yeah. thing or why am I stopping yeah exactly but then but I think that that sense of the fact that you can control everything like to me feels kind of like sometimes I have to let go because I Jesus take the I'm wheel. not a well yeah I'm not a control freak but like I also am like I'm a, like, I'm a researcher, you know, so, like, I want to know all the different ways that, I want to know everything about everything, basically, right, right. so, so then, so then that's, and I think that's a handicap, because sometimes you just have to be like, okay, well, fate's gonna, you have to trust something, right? Fate will open up, yeah. So, I think, like, I think, like, I want to believe in fate, intellectually, I don't, but, like, I think sometimes, sometimes I allow myself. You allow yourself to believe in it? Because it feels good. 
Well, yeah, to, to just be hands-off for a while and let... Or just just to believe in good. Just out. to believe in good. Just believe that good exists. Yeah. And that good will win, you know? I don't think good is associated to fate, necessarily. To me, it is. I mean... I feel like with all the good, there is bad to equal it out. Because, I mean, isn't the underlying thing of fate is like, okay, you know, maybe something bad will happen to you now, but it's all a greater plan? I think fate does have the sort of context of being good. We should look actually what the definition of fate is. And not Google definition. Like Merriam Webster, that shit. (laughs) I mean, I don't think Google actually has a definition, but okay. Dude, Google's definitions are always watered down and banal. I hate them. Those banal definitions. Um. Here's from, okay. The development of events beyond a person's control regarded as determined by a supernatural power. So, yeah, it's pretty vague. Um, Yeah, that's like... Merriam-Webster, just to make you happy. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's not some Google... I don't think Merriam-Webster's going to be that much better, honestly. Are you sure? A power that is believed to control what happens in the future... The thing that will happen to a person or thing, the future that something, someone or something will have. And by this definition, it's pretty hard to avoid fate, because everyone has a future. Like anxiety? You might feel your heart beating faster or feeling like it's like swelling. Love is like what makes human, us like human. Yeah, and love like it is connects what makes us human. Okay, we're almost at five minutes. Love you, bye. Falling in love is like plummeting down a water slide into a warm bath. If you can win the fight against that thing that we're all so fucking scared of, vulnerability, if you can open yourself up and accept vulnerability as something that is wonderful and something that actually displays strength, then you reach the prize at the end of the water slide, the warm bath, where you settle into a comfortable, renewing, revitalizing, shared experience with another human being. This episode you heard from LJ Dawson, Hannah Heilecker, Leah Orr, Casey Shove, Mark Wayne, Patrick Yoder, Morgan Anderson, Slater Smith, Autumn Sharp, and Logan Foray. You can find links to all the music we played here in the credits. Special thanks to my dad for playing his own rendition of Wicked Games. And also special thanks to my good friends Shelby Schneider and Morgan Anderson. Shelby, you gave me input on the episode. Morgan, You let me interview you for the episode, and you let me record this voiceover in your car, sitting in a parking garage in San Diego.